0: early in november the cows have come off grass and were turned into corn stalks the weather's cool the cows were grazing well until the next day when four dead cows were found by the owner we'll find out what happened on Talks talk this is bovine science with bci and i'm joined today by dr scott fritz Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Brad. So you always bring us good cases where we can talk about what happened, and it's always they may have moved or this may have happened, and then all of a sudden we end up with dead animals. Something and changes, and then we got a problem. Something changes, then we've got a problem. But this is not an uncommon scenario. Cows come off grass, we put them on corn stalks, put them in, and they had some grazing there in the corn stalks. They had just been turned in. But something rapid happened because we ended up with four of them dead. What's our What's our first step in this case?
1: Well, for me, it's like you walk into corn stalks and then you've got dead cows the next day. I'm immediately wondering how much actual grain is out there. Like how much shatter damage did you have? Do you have some hail? Did you have some knockdown that didn't get picked up by the combine is it just a simple grain overload
0: well and that's one of my first thoughts too or did we have a little bit of spillage right so as we're loading it out uh was there some spillage was there a pile on the ground left somewhere or was there an issue and so i'm I'm thinking the same thing as you especially right away so what's the first thing that that the veterinarian did in this case
1: so the first thing, the veterinarian called and just wanted to know some differential, you know, potential problems that could be. So that was the first thing. Walk around, see if there, you couldn't find, a, you know, evidence of a pile being there. I assume the producer probably checked because, you, you know, a lot of times we're putting up a temporary hot wire. But, you know, if you've got a quarter section of corn, you're not going to cover all of that in depth. Um, and so, I mean, the first thing you got to do is do some
0: necropsies. Yeah. the, the other let's go, let's go back to your differentials for a minute. So, so both you and I jumped to potential grain overload acidosis, right, is what we're thinking. At this time of year, depending on the region of the country, we may have had a first frost or recently had a first frost. Um, thinking about how how clean was the pasture and, and really on the edges sometimes where we end up with some of those weeds like we've talked about before johnson grass things like that that right after a frost or or even some of the some of the i would assume the corn has already turned or things like that on your differential list
1: they could be and there you know there was i think there were 50 ish cows in this group and we had what 10 percent death loss overnight which is when you say it that way is pretty striking but four or five cows and you know it wouldn't take that much of a problematic material for that many cows and certainly the edges or even the waterways, you just never know what's out there in some of those fields until you go look.
0: Any other differentials you'd have on your list as we, as we start?
1: Yeah, given the drought conditions we've had, especially in Kansas the last couple summers, you always wonder about nitrate poisoning on drought stress crops, um, which certainly could cause acute death like that. You know that's, those are the big two with just knowing its corn stocks until you start asking some more questions.
0: Yeah, And, and step one that we talked about is in these type of cases, First thing, the other 46 need to leave that yep. r- right away, and then the four, we need to necropsy. Absolutely. Move them. Yep, move them. So the four that the, the necropsy was done on, what were, what were some of the initial findings?
1: Um, so the big thing, I guess it just bulleted list from the, the necropsy report, there were a bunch of these small, you know, tiny one to two millimeter seeds, and then abomasum, that just a relative abundance it's hard to quantify that right on a fourteen hundred pound dead cow. Um, then there was, you know, a moderate amount of whole corn but also some roughage in there which, you know, it's in the in the veterinarian's experience wasn't enough to cause a grain overload that's a little bit, you know, up to argument there and she, without actually being there. Um the, there was a comment on there that the tissues were normal color, um, despite, you know, a s moderate autolysis. So it was a like a day and a half, I think, after the death loss, or at least when they were found to the veterinarian could get out there. And it's, you know, rural veterinarians are busy people, and sometimes that's
0: just the way it happens. Yeah. So, so as you're looking through the necropsy, if, if, what would you expect to see on, let's take our other differentials, grain overload or nitrate that we talked about? What, what would be some of your expected findings on gross necropsy? So um, on a grain overload case, you just expect a ton of grain in the GI tract,
1: which in at least the ones I had in practice, it was pretty obvious that that was the problem. There'd be 30 or 40 pounds of corn in there. Um, in a nitrate case, sometimes you can see some brown discoloration to the tissues, but that's, you know, kind of timeline dependent. You got to be fairly close to the time of death. And if those tissues are open, you know, they it, they don't turn brown immediately upon opening. They take a couple minutes and then that color will dissipate over a couple hours. Um, so I don't like to hang my hat on tissue colors in that sense. Um, and really, there's but it, there's but not it much might else. go along
0: with something, right? And, we, and yeah. we talked about like the, the brown, the the blood, the tissues, or if we see the opposite, the bright red. I mean, we don't know what they're into in this case, but some of the cyanide type things that we've talked about before.
1: Sure. Yeah, I And mean, that's I mean the the normal color again. It's just the the color can be variable with time after death, and so it's it can be an indicator. But it's I don't like to hang my hat and just say, well, the tissues were normal. It's not that.
0: So so in this case, I, I also want to go look at if there's grain overload. Somet- sometimes you'll see grain in the room, but you also see potential signs of scours if they had time for that to develop or really loose stools in those individuals and, and didn't see any of that in this case, not a lot of grain there, found some odd seeds in the room. And so at this point we're saying, hey, still thinking a toxin of some sort because no other, and we kind of glossed over but Lungs, lungs look good on these cows, no other signs of infectious disease, no signs of anything that, that would have caused them to die uh, overtly. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, and it's, it would be tough with an infectious disease to wipe out that many cows in a short amount of time and to your point with a grain overload a lot of times you'll have some clinical animals too whether they're walking around looking inebriated or whatever Um, it's not very often that you've got 100 percent normal and then whatever died there's usually some in between there that you can sort out and in the diarrhea especially
0: well and and some of those i wouldn't expect them to, to die that rapidly right you'd have some that if we got if we had them get into a bunch of grain there'd be some that would be in the other clinical stages of of progression, so not really finding much there. What what samples do you recommend taking in this one?
1: Well, like always, a complete set of fresh and fixed tissues always appreciated from a diagnostician's perspective. Um, from a tox standpoint, you know, t- acute death, especially rumen contents are good, but remember we have to seal and freeze those because a lot of things we're looking at are volatile in there, um, and then the microbial population there can change whatever we're looking at. Um, ocular fluid's always a great one for us, and then your normal set of liver, lung, kidney, heart, skeletal muscle, and, and the GI stuff that we've talked about in the past.
0: So this is the part that sometimes I struggle because we get into this and we go, okay, I think it might be this. I go out, it's not that. I thought it might be grain overload. It's not that, I don't think. I've got, I'm sending in samples to the lab and now I'm at a loss. And I like when I send in samples to the lab, I like to be looking for something. And I may take a bunch of samples, bank some in the clinic, bank put some in the freezer, put some in formalin, I don't necessarily want to send everything off right away, but in this case, I've got four out of fifty dead, so I'm. Ah, what do I send off for? Yeah, honestly, it's you can
1: just send it. If you send it here, we're going to store it for a, a certain amount of time. We've I think we've got thirty day storage. Typically, we're storing things for three months, and just because it comes in doesn't mean we need to do anything with it. You can write right on there, hold these until further testing or check with me or whatever. Just be clear on the submission form what you want done, um, and it's e- a lot easier to take those initially and have them because if you have it and we don't need it whatever we can throw it away at some point but if we don't have it and we need it now we got a problem so what would you put on the
0: submission form that we're looking for in this case
1: if i were submitting it i would put on there i've got acute death in multiple animals in a short amount of time you know i've got these suspicions i don't think it's grain overload you know do these tests and then call me
0: So your first test you'd start with would be ammonia, nitrates? I
1: do an ocular nitrate in this case. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, we don't have any history that would support a non-protein nitrogen toxicosis, but that'd be something that we'd call back and forth even, you know, it's like, hey, is there a potential? Do you have protein tubs sitting out there? Do you have some other potential source? of an MPN that we don't know about that you didn't even know about. you know, and yeah. those are questions that oftentimes happen a day or two after the submission.
0: Good, good point. Cause I failed to ask that question of, yes, they're on corn stalks, but were they supplemented with anything? Because sometimes we'll have either a protein tub, lick tank, or we'll have a ration that we're feeding on the ground or a supplement that we're feeding, which Yes, they're just new to this pasture, but they may also be new to that supplement, so we've got to ask those type of questions and in this case, there was no supplement that they were feeding, correct? Nope, okay, so you run the ocular uh nitrate sample what what did you find? Well,
1: luckily, it was elevated on all four I think we had four eyes that we checked um and just elevated so twenty part per million and less is normal, and over that is suspicious and these were um a hundred part per million or so on all four different ones so a pretty significant elevation there um, that was on a test strip so those are you know they're not necessarily they're not really specific you know that's there's a little bit of interpretation on those color metric changes and so we can actually confirm that with more sensitive instrumentation this part this point it was such a gross elevation we didn't do it uh, which i don't think we needed to with it being that high
0: okay so high levels of of nitrate what's the what's the next step then we've got to figure out where this is coming from
1: yeah and so you know the, obviously the corn stalks would pop into my brain as the number one um, and he actually the the veterinarian had some of the field we make a, a field test solution it's diphenylamine and sulfuric acid um, you can crack open a corn stalk and put that solution on there if it turns black it's pretty elevated to the point where you need to do further testing and it didn't blow up with that you know field assay which again is you know it's it's not really sensitive, I guess would be the correct term. Um, so we can confirm that again with more sensitive instrumentation if we need to.
0: But so back to that field test, you mentioned you basically just break the stock. Do you do, you do this multiple stocks, multiple spots in the field? How do you pick how many and where you, you do that testing, that field test?
1: I think that an epidemiologist would give you a different answer than I would, but I, you got to do more than one um and you can't spend all day
0: doing it so somewhere right. in
1: between those two things
0: somewhere in between those two but you're but you're looking for really drought stress forage right, right. so if you if or drought stress corn in this case so so you're going to probably take some spots that that might make sense yeah pivot corners
1: at, tops of terraces that kind of thing
0: yeah that's what i was thinking Is is it's targeted sampling right i'm not just randomly going out and grabbing one i'm targeting areas that i think may have been drought stress so if I've got corners on the pivot if I've got spots that that may be high spots that look like they're a little bit different than the rest and the owner or if this is a rental property the person who harvested it may have some idea based on yields from different areas I'm guessing
1: yeah he sure could for sure
0: okay so so you do that it's not in the corn stalks what's what's next
1: Well, this just got lucky. I think the producer ended up calling the veterinarian back in the meantime when all this was happening in the lab. And he he mentioned that the cows looked like they had been digging around. So he had a pivot on this cornfield and there was a nurse tank there. So fertilizer, nurse tank, big plastic poly tank that sucks fertilizer up in the pivot to distribute to the field. And they had been spending a lot of time. There's a lot of ground disruption around that to the point where it looked like those cows had been eating the dirt underneath that.
0: So the cows had been, he just noticed a big area where the cows were tearing it up, digging around that nurse tank.
1: Yeah. And I, the picture I got, so this nurse tank is sitting on the ground and then you can see there's about eight inches below the bottom of that nurse tank into the ground that those cows had just eaten the dirt. Wow. Which is, yeah. I mean, cows aren't that bright, but they don't also (laughs) eat dirt. They don't typically eat dirt. Typically like that when they've got a, a fresh field of corn stalks to go after.
0: Yeah. So what, uh, so in that nurse tank, what, what would have been in there?
1: So it's typically a fertilizer and it's usually nitrogen's a fairly big component of that. And we've talked about these before. Those are pretty concentrated products. So it's probably somewhere in the 30 to 40% range, which on a part per million basis is 400,000, uh, part per million. And we know in, in water, a hundred part per million is a problem and forage 10,000 part per million is a problem. So somewhere in there, probably in a soil basis is an issue And so we know that concentrated product, if we've got a leak or something, is going to go right in that dirt. And for whatever reason those cows were targeting that dirt, you know, just
0: one jump to the other. or Something about that was attractive to them. And so they they got in, and and it may have been that they were looking at it, had a funny taste or salts involved or whatever the case may be. They ended up ingesting that and and pretty much confirmed by some of the diagnostics that you did that it was— the nitrate ammonia in this case? With yeah,
1: the... So a lot of those fertilizers are urea-based, so the urea is supplying the nitrogen. And so we just, after the fact, ran ocular ammonia on those eyes, and a couple of those were elevated as well, which we'll see with these fertilizer exposures. So remember, they're really potent, and if it's a urea-based product, a lot of times you'll get both an elevation in ocular ammonia and nitrate. And so those are two different mechanisms, and they can both result in an acute death, and it seems like it's a combination
0: of the two a lot of times, on specifically with, with fertilizers. So if we get into fertilizer, you're concerned about both the ammonia and the nitrate. And, what, and, and are they working, you said similar mechanisms, are they working the same way? What do they actually cause pathophysiologically?
1: So, yeah, they both result in acute death, but they're pretty different mechanisms. So urea, non-protein nitrogen, is going to be a hyperammonemia. Eventually, it's a neurologic disease where nitrate affects the ability of blood to distribute oxygen to tissues. Both bad. Both can be acute deaths. And that's, I think, what we run into from a therapeutic standpoint on these cases is they're so potent that these animals can die within, like literally within 20, 30 minutes of ingesting some of that stuff, depending on the source. Um, And so a lot of times we don't have the ability to treat those and evaluate if they're, you know, which ones actually play in the major role in the course of death, I guess, in these cases.
0: And I hadn't really thought of that. And it could be, it could be, both which is why we didn't see a lot of you didn't see a lot of clinical signs in this case and you saw the four acute deaths but we also didn't see something that we would look at on gross necropsy and go wow it's nitrate right
1: yeah there's not much grossly or even microscopically with either Um, and so it's you're really relying on the laboratory and so this case was even further complicated so remember we had a day and a half delay and so if you get really any microbial invasion into that ocular fluid, a lot of times with that metabolism, the ammonia will go up falsely. And so we've got a, you know, a pretty likely source and we've got an elevation in a post-mortem sample, but that delay in there really complicates the interpretation, at least from my side of things on, is that number real? And is it playing a role in the clinical course of disease?
0: Yeah. So it- looks like we found the source in this case because nothing else was found the corn tested out okay on the field test there's that dirt missing so we're thinking yes that's the source that it's leaking around that tank and did they find a leak in the tank
1: uh they just they said it was really concentrated there's a nozzle that came off of there whether it was a withdrawal nozzle i'm not sure which one but they there was somewhat of a concentration which you would think would happen if something was dripping on the ground over a long period of time yeah
0: which makes sense so what did they do in this case fence can i fence off that area how long how how far do i need to go can i just fence off a small part around there am i concerned about further dirt contamination
1: are they just fertilized or fertilized they fenced off you know where the cows had disturbed the ground they just backed it up five ten feet and just put up a quick circle fence around it and turned cows back in and didn't have a problem so that I guess to me further confirms that at least that area was the problem Um, you know we were never never able to get the actual sample to test it and confirm which there's really not good thresholds for like soil nitrate and so it would you'd have to calculate that concentration with attempted ingestion and it gets kind of complicated from there
0: so we've got four dead 46 uh, that once we got that area fenced off we can turn back in None of the others are showing clinical signs. Anything I need to think, is there anything that I should treat them with prophylactically? Is there anything I should worry about before I turn them back in? Should I run them through the, the shoot and treat with anything or check anything on those that are showing no clinical signs?
1: No, not really. This is an acute disease process. If they're not, you know, if they're not dead within a day, you're probably not going to have a problem. The caveat to that is,
0: if they're not dead, they're, they're doing good. I, I yeah, like that perspective. It's pretty
1: easy. It's black, <laughs> yeah. but the the issue is some of those the uh, cows. You may have missed some clinical ones. There may have been some sub lethally exposed animals that by the time he came around, you know, we didn't pick them out of the herd for whatever reason. Those animals could potentially abort. So these were bred cows, you know, in that time of year, probably four to five month old fetuses. Uh, they could abort those calves later on. It's a hypoxic induced abortion. You know, it's if you read the literature, it's somewhere between seven and fourteen days post-exposure yeah. that that fetus will be expelled, and so that's a warning. You know, for the veterinarian to tell the producer, like, hey, you know, there's a potential you'll see some abortions, and you may not. You know, with a fetus that size, you may not see it at all. Um, it might be something you pick up at calving, even, or if they hadn't pregnant them yet.
0: Well, know. it may it, it may be enough there because in this case, we know we had exposure that four cows died. We've confirmed that that it looks like we had both ammonia and nitrate in this case, both of which could cause us to have abortion issues. So the cows that are living, we'd expect those in the next week or two with a four- to five-month-old fetus on corn stalks. The odds of finding that thing are pretty small. So it it may be a conversation to have of, depending on resource, availability, and plan, do we want to re-preg check those cows right yeah if we're still early in winter so it may be worth it to to repreg those cows if we've already pregged them make sure but but i'd probably wait three weeks
1: yeah three weeks or a month and you know you start getting into maybe the point where they come off stocks you know you talk about resource management but you know that's probably something you're just going to have to give up that at least that first field of stocks before you got a chance to figure it out
0: so hypothetically i preg them there's a few that are open and i want to get rid of them do i have any slaughter concerns withdrawal concern because now i'm i'm thinking i had cows die i had this exposure they lost it we're a month away from the exposure now do i have any concerns about sending them to slaughter those coal cows
1: not from either of those toxic exposures if you happen to treat some of those then depending on your treatment you may have a withdrawal okay um, but as long as you didn't do anything to them you shouldn't have any
0: issue with with a withdrawal with go ahead and sending them off even though they had that because that toxic exposure is out of their system by now yeah we're, we're four to six weeks on and we're not worried about
1: it yeah they're gonna ingest that stuff naturally at some level and it's just a matter of the dose i mean we talk about that all the time the dose makes the poison as long as they consume below a toxic dose they're clinically going to be normal in the the physiology i guess is a met hemoglobinemia and that'll reduce back to normal hemoglobin over time.
0: And so you shouldn't have an, a withdrawal problem. I want to circle back to one of the things you said on necropsy. Uh, the seeds, there were one to two millimeter round seeds found in the abomasum. Did you ever figure out what those were? Did they have anything to do with what we were finding? Or is that a red herring? So we get
1: that report a lot. And a lot of times we'll get a test tube with a bunch of seeds in it In if you have never tried to do seed id it's pretty difficult a lot of times i actually will rely on the herbarium here at campus they've got a drop-off window or i can just send pictures and they're pretty good about identifying that stuff you know within a day or two for me if people are around um, and this was it looked like it was ragweed seeds is what they were which you know it wouldn't really be a toxic concern you know i think it was an incidental finding at that point but it was enough that it concerned a veterinarian so Sure, submitted, and we can look at it, and we'll do our best to tell you what it is.
0: So if we don't, because it's hard when you find those in the mason, there's no plant attached to it, which is usually how I would identify most seeds, right? But then you you can send those in, and and they can identify just based on the seed what it is, and then you can sort out is it relevant or not relevant to the case.
1: Yeah, that's the at this point that's the best we can really do, and you know they may not get all the way to species, but they can get you into a family, and then you you know you kind of consider where we're at. Geographically, and what's most likely, and and if there's a problem plant within that family, then you have that conversation at that point, yeah. and you may need to go back out to where they were and confirm the presence of that plant. Um, so that that does get challenging at times, but you know that's what where we're at right
0: now. And this is, this is a tough one because you, usually we talk about what could we do to prevent it, what would we do different next time. I'm not sure that I would have done a lot different because it sounds like. It, it, there was maybe a leak or a drip leak out of that tank it's not like there's wet soil it's not like there's something around it wouldn't have maybe expected the cattle to go eat the the dirt is there anything that you talked about how do we stop this from happening again or to somebody else because it's kind of a novel source that we would expect nitrate and ammonia from the dirt surrounding that nurse tank
1: that's why i wanted to talk about it like i've i wouldn't have considered that a source but i think one of just important consideration i guess is if especially if the whoever's farming the field is not the same guy running cows on it just to be cognizant of the fact that yeah it's a crop field until the crop's gone now it's a forage source and you just need to keep those things in mind that you know there's potential problems with these agricultural chemicals they're very concentrated products and so if you notice a leak or something i mean i would assume if you're out there turning the pivot on and off maybe you're not but you potentially could have noticed a leak in the summertime just keep that in the back of your brain that yeah, it's not an issue for the corn, but potential animals that may be turned into there months from now could experience a problem. Ex-
0: excellent point. On at times, this exact same ground at times here, it's a crop field, and we're concerned about how the crop is doing. But later, it becomes a forage base. The sometimes confounding factor there is there's someone running the crop side and someone else that's leasing it or using it for grazing two different people you got to be sure to communicate if there's any potential issues and and like we've talked about before still worth probably scouting some of those stock fields before you go in to see if some of the things we initially thought right was there an abundance of grain were there some issues with waterways what do those look like what do the edges look like is it is it grazeable is there anything else there a good walkthrough before we turn cows in always a good idea
1: yeah you're gonna have the four-wheeler utv or whatever they're putting the hot wire up anyway just buzz to the middle check the pivot out buzz the waterways and just do the best you can and you're not going to catch it all all the time but and beyond that i don't have any good ideas
0: no, absolutely. And, and we'll have more information on this case up on the BCI toxicology website. You'll have some resources there. And both that toxicology addition to our website and these podcasts have been sponsored in part through a veterinary services grant that you and Dr. Inslee and Dr. Larson have received to really share more toxicology information and examples for people to understand what do we submit, how do we submit. Another part of that grant has been you guys take a lot of calls working working with people and producers in the field. So appreciate you doing that, and making the time for it and thanks to that that grant for helping make this possible.
1: Yep. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it.